this is True Consequences, a true crime and mystery podcast with stories based in New Mexico in the American Desert Southwest. Hello, and welcome back to episode five of True Consequences. I'm your host, Eric Carter Landine. This episode discusses topics of a graphic and adult nature. It includes themes of rape and torture, which many may not find suitable. Listener discretion is advised. On today's episode, I interviewed Cynthia Vigil Jaramillo, one of the survivors of the Toy Box Killer. Cynthia grew up in Albuquerque, New Mexico, and she had a very challenging life. She talks about how she ended up on the streets at a young age due to her mother's death. She also experienced sexual abuse as well as many other horrible things that led her to the life of being a sex worker on Central Avenue in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Where we start with Cynthia is in the spring of 1999 in Albuquerque, New Mexico on Central Avenue. Around that time, Central Avenue, also known as Route 66, was a haven for sex work, drugs, as well as other criminal activities. For those of you that are not familiar Central Avenue runs the entire east-west length of Albuquerque. It is one of the busiest roads in the city, and it is the original Route 66 that went from Chicago to L.A. I was inspired as I researched the story of the Toy Box Killer. Just the idea of her fighting back and getting away from New Mexico's most notorious serial rapists. I just couldn't comprehend how somebody musters that much strength and resolve that no matter what, she was determined to get away. So I wanted to spend some time with her to really understand what was in her mind, what she was thinking, what she was feeling, all of those things, because I feel like this is an important message for everybody. If you ever find yourself in a situation similar to Cynthia's, hoping that maybe you can lean on this experience of hers and draw some strength. Now, let's hope that none of us ever end up in a situation like that. Anyway, I think that you could still find some inspiration and strength in her story. I do have to warn you that she goes into graphic detail about her capture as well as her torture. And that may not be appropriate for everybody. And that's okay. If you can't handle it, feel free to fast forward, uh, turn it off, take a break. You know, I found myself also having a difficult time just having this conversation. And after our conversation ended, I was very shaken up. I was extremely shaken up. So I understand that this may not be an episode that everyone can listen to or wants to listen to, but I do feel it's important to highlight the strength and the tenacity and just the overall amazing story of Cynthia surviving and ultimately leading to the capture of the Toy Box Killer. I rambled on enough. Um, Just want to shout out to Michael L. for being our latest Patreon subscriber. If you want to donate to us, we are fully listener-supported at this point. You can go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N dot com slash True Consequences. If you donate, you get access to episodes early, exclusive content, behind-the-scenes content. There will be more benefits coming in the near future. Another thing, just want to remind you all, if you could subscribe, rate, and review, that really helps us out a lot. Share true consequences with your friends. 
really want to get the word out here in New Mexico. Uh, this is something that I, I've been wanting to do for a while, and I'm hoping that we can start having a dialogue as a community about the unique issues that are facing our state. Okay, so that's it. I'll stop rambling and uh, let you hear firsthand from Cynthia how she survived the toy box killer. I was actually running from a a boyfriend at the time. I didn't want to be around him. So I was at a friend's motel over there off the central Washington area. And uh, I wasn't allowed at the motel because I got into an argument with the office. So I had to sneak out in and out through the bathroom window mm-hmm. in the alleyway. And I guess he seen me coming out the alleyway. I guess uh, prior to that, he had seen me, he had seen me at a, uh, Walking up and down Central. David? Yeah, David Parker. And uh, that morning, he seen me going out the bathroom window, and he had seen where I had been walking. I had been walking and talking with this one guy named DJ. DJ, used to, uh, he used to work the streets. He had took off for a while, and I was walking by myself, and I had went with a group of friends, and then I took off by myself, and DJ had came up to me and asked, and told me that this guy had asked for me personally. And he wanted to do a date. So I went over there to the RV. And I I would never... And that was the first rule I broke, was getting in, a, in an RV. I never got into vans, RVs, nothing like that. And so that was the first... One of my first rules that I broke that day. And I got in and I noticed that DJ had gotten money out the, he'd given DJ some money out the window and DJ took off running and left me there. So I get in the car and we're talking and he hands me money and we go to the back of the RV. And when we were in the back of the RV, I was putting the money in the spot. I always put it in the bottom of my shoe, in my sock, in the bottom of my shoe. Mm -hmm. And when I, as I was coming up, he slapped a handcuff on me and flipped open a badge. But it was a badge I'd never seen before. It wasn't like an APD badge or anything like that. So, yeah. So my, you hadn't seen that badge before? Yeah, I'd never seen a badge like that before. So I was just like, something's off. Mm-hmm. So I kept trying to get away from him, but I had one handcuff on my hand, on one of my arms. And he had the other end. And I was trying to run. And I was just like, my fingers were like literally touching the door. Like literally, I could touch the door. And um, he yelled, Cindy. And the thing is, I had, when he had asked my name, I told him my name was Crystal. So when he said, Cindy, I was in total shock. Yeah. Like, I, I paused. And I think if I didn't pause, I would have been out that door. But when he yelled, Cindy, I paused. And she came out from, like, behind this curtain I guess it was like a little closet because it was like a little camping RV. Mm-hmm. And she came out of behind this uh, curtain. I guess it was a closet. And she had this big, long red and white. Uh, I didn't know what it was at first. And it had a round circle at the edge with two silver dots. And she stuck it to my neck and she shocked me. And it, it turned out it was a cattle prod. Oh God. And I just, whoop, I flipped over like a, like it knocked me down and they pulled me back and they got both hands behind my back and they drug me to the cabinets and 
they put the handcuffs through the cabinets and they locked it through the cabinets. And I had, they both got in the front seat of the RV and they were driving. I had unscrewed the the cabinet, the, what are they called? The, the handles. handles. Yeah. I had unscrewed the handles and I had the handles loose, but my hands were behind my back. And I was like up on my feet, but I was still down to the ground. I was like, like kneeling, like kind of kneeling down, but I was on my feet. And I was like, as soon as they stop, I'm going to run for that door. And I'll, I'll put my, you know, I was going to put my back against where I can open it. And I was just going to fall out and just go. And uh, I don't know what happened that they had to like stomp on the brakes. And I rolled. And then they realized you were free. They realized I was a free. Oh my God. So they, they drug me back. And that's when they took all my clothes off me and they shackled my feet. They uh, put the handcuffs um, in front this time and they put a, a metal, um, not a metal, a uh, leather thing over my face, like a, like a whole mask that covered my whole head. It had uh, a zipper on the mouth and it had dots, like little holes breathe. on the nose so I could breathe. No eyes. And uh, it was a belt that belted around my neck. And I couldn't see or hear nothing. And I was like, how do I get this off me? So I started uh, acting like I was gagging and throwing up. And I remember hearing him say, he said, uh, take that off the bitch before she kills herself. So she took it off, but then they duct taped my face from my chin around the top of my head. And then they duct taped my mouth. And so they had me duct taped like that for a while. I was trying the same thing of gagging. And they finally took that off me. He got this bottle. Uh, it was like a pint of hot damn. And he kept trying to shove it, like make me drink it. And every time he tried to make me drink it, he'd pour something in my mouth. I'd spit it back at him. And I kept spitting it back at him, spitting it back at him. And so finally he stopped because there's just very little left in the bottle. And he, he stopped forcing, trying to force it down my throat. And then he got in the front seat and he, he drove and drove and, and it was like he was driving forever. And when he was driving, I was asking um, Cindy Hendy, the girlfriend, like, just let me go. I was coming up with a hundred lies and I had kids mm -hmm. and I didn't have kids at the time. You know, my, you know, my babysitter's going to report me missing. DJ knows I got in this car. And she was like, we're just going to take you and we're going to rape you and let you go. I'm like, where are you going to take me? And they're like, just up the road there, you know, where there's um, nothing just up to, you know, where there's a bunch of dirt. We'll rape you there and then we'll leave you there. Do you promise? Do you promise? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, well, just let me go now. Just let me go now. I'll jump out the car while it's rolling. She wouldn't let me, like, she wouldn't let me go. And then we stopped. And when we stopped, I could hear him putting gas. And she had the gun. And she was like, like telling me to be quiet with her, her finger over her mouth. And then when they put gas, when we started driving again, she put the gun away. The next time we stopped, we were at their house and it was broad daylight and they they walked me from the RV into their trailer, butt naked, handcuffed and shackled. And I seen trailers around us. How I don't understand how nobody seen me. But later on that night, the neighbor was talking about, oh, well, I was in my kitchen window watching him clean his RV.
but you didn't walk you didn't see him walk me from point A to point B naked. I didn't understand that. That it made no sense to me. But maybe he knew when they weren't home. I don't know. But as soon as they got me there, he sat me on the bed. They had the gun out. They sat me on the bed and they put a metal slave collar around my neck and with the real thick uh, linked chain and they padlocked it on my neck and then they padlocked it to the wall. So what happened after they chained you up? I was tortured for hours upon hours. I think the first torturing they gave me was with a battery and they it had a like clamps and they clamped it to my breast, to my privates, and they shocked me. And he would, he, it had like little, where he could change the, the frequencies and the shocks and how fast and how long and how hard, and he would mess with it. And so he would just leave it there for like an hour on one or 30 minutes on one and he would just change it and just, I think that went on for about four or five hours where I was shocked just repeatedly. Constantly. Yeah. I was just, oh, and then I was um, shocked with uh, leg spreaders on my leg. There's leg spreaders in there too. Uh, He had put leg spreaders on my knee, uh, across my knees and on my legs so I couldn't move my legs or I couldn't close them or nothing. And he stuck different stuff inside me. So, and this was all in the house. This wasn't in the toy box. You didn't make it there, right? Uh, I went to the mock toy box in the house. Okay. The only difference between the the trailer outside and the mock toy box inside is the gynecologist table. He has a gynecologist table in the one outside. That he built. And then what he had inside the inside the room inside his back room was he had a massage table so you laid flat as opposed to laying in a yeah or a, well, chair. In a gynecologist table with yeah. your legs up that was the only difference but they were the, they looked the same like they had the same stuff in them how long were you were you there three days I was supposed to be there longer than three days I I was actually supposed to be there while she took off to Seattle, Washington to watch her grandchild be born. That's what I was kidnapped for. And then I was going to be killed when she got back. You heard them talking about that? You had to figure out what to do, right? Like, yeah. Time was was running against you. Yeah. And uh, I also heard them talking about kidnapping a little girl. And they knew what little girl it was. They knew where she was at. And she was pretty little. They were going to kidnap her to raise her as a sex slave. And they were, they had a dog and they were trying to teach their dog how to have, um, how to have sex with um, humans. He want, cause he said he wanted to know if a dog would get stuck in a human like it does another dog. At one point they had put the knee spreaders on my leg, the leg spreaders and knee spreaders and all that on my legs and they poured hot, uh, hot gravy, uh, like dog food gravy, on my privates and all over my body. And they had the dog lick it off. Mm. And 
Then they took me into the bathroom and they made me shower. And he gave me an empty douche bottle to clean myself with. And then he took me into the back room and put me on the uh, massage table. And he tied me to the massage table. And uh, he put clamps on me. But these clamps had like uh, wires, like not wires, but like little beads. Like I can't explain it. But you know, like them chains that have little beads and then yeah. you. Yeah, it was like that, but really long. And it went through the ceiling through a little thing. And went through another one. It came down. The other side had weights on it. And uh, he shocked me with the cattle prod and with the tasers and just different things. They shocked me. And every time my body, like, jerked from being shocked, the weights would drop. So things got spread really, really far to where you could hear them tearing. That went on for about an hour. And every time I tried not to move. And I'm really, really stubborn. And the FBI told me that I probably went through a lot more torture than what I needed to go through because I knew what got him off. So I did the opposite. I wouldn't scream. I wouldn't squirm. I wouldn't, I just stay as still as I could. He would, you know, crank it up higher and shock me harder. And I'd fight it. Yeah. And I wouldn't give him a reaction. Wow. The FBI thought I would have either been killed before she got back from Seattle or before she went to Seattle because I was pissing him off because mm-hmm. I wasn't giving him that satisfaction that he wanted. Um, but I've always been stubborn like that where I'm like, I'm not going to give in to you. I'm not going to give you what you want. You had already been through hell your whole life before that. Yeah. <clears throat> and so that was my biggest thing was I went through a lot more than what I should have had to have sure. gone through because of the fact that being stubborn, but being stubborn actually got me to get away and to get an escape. Let's talk about that. Uh, so this is three days in. He went to work and he was dressed like a cop. Totally freaked me out. He came in with this jacket that had like a fur collar, you know, like cops yeah. have, and he had like green pants and like just like a cop. And he sat on the bed and he told me, "Well, you've been a really good girl." He's all, and he, he was undoing the, the shackles and the handcuffs because the handcuffs were above my head and the shackles were at the end of the bed. And he took them off and he put a bucket next to the bed and he said, this is your bathroom for the day. And all he had me was by the, the collar on my neck and the chain to the wall, but I didn't have the handcuffs and shackles that day. So I was able to sit up on the bed and there was a couple of times, uh, that I got off to use the restroom. She got a phone call. She was watching soap operas and she got a phone call. And when she got the phone call, she ran to a room in back of the trailer where they had took me to that one room. Mm-hmm. I don't know what room she went to, but they, she ran to that part of the house. Part of the house. Yeah. And I noticed she left the keys on the coffee table and I showed you how the bed was mm-hmm. and, well, the coffee table's like right there. And so I put my body under that wrought iron fence and I pulled the table towards me and I was able to reach the keys. And I pushed the table back, but the carpet, it snagged and it went crooked. And I was just like, oh, well. I curled up in a ball against the wall where the chain was at. And I was just trying keys. I think it was like by the time I got the first key in, she was already in there. She seen what I had, what I had done. And she got that lamp 
And I don't know where she got the ice pick from, but she got an ice pick. And she had the phone in her hand. But she dropped the phone on the bed, I guess, when she picked up the lamp or whatever. And she was beating me with the lamp, and she had stabbed me with the ice pick. And every time she hit me with that lamp, I'd see black and stars, and it was awful. She hit me in my head a lot. And I kept feeling myself, like, trying to black out, and I was like, no, no, no. I kept fighting the blackout. And I think it was, like, the third key I tried popped the lock open, and there was a lot of keys on the keychain. And the third key popped it open. And so when it popped open, I pulled the padlock off and I pulled the chain through it. And I turned around and I seen the ice pick in the phone and I picked up both of them. And I dialed 911. And I dropped the phone. And I stabbed her. I went at her to stab her. But when I stabbed her, I hit her like in her forehead and it like skinned her around. Like it didn't go straight in. It went like around her scalp. She grabbed her head. And when she grabbed her head, I jumped from the bed to the living room floor and I was out that front door. I guess the 911 call hurt the fight, hurt us fighting. And she picked up the phone, hung it up, and 911 called her back and asked her if everything was all right. She's like, oh, yeah, everything was fine. <laughs> da, 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 da. And the cop didn't believe her. And so he dispatched cops out there. Yeah. I had ran and I had, uh, there was this car going past me. And I was trying to get in her car and I was banging on the window. And you're naked. I'm totally naked with the metal collar on my neck. Bleeding. Full of blood. Well, she locked the doors and then she rolled up the window. And so we got to like this four-way, this four-way split. She turned left and I went right. And I was looking for trailers where it looked like somebody was home. Because sure. it was on Elephant Butte Lake. And so I was looking for to see if I could see if anybody was home. And there was this one house that I don't even know how I knew somebody was home because I went back years later to look at it to like reroute my steps to see how far I ran. And there's no way to tell if somebody was at home at that house. No way. I don't even, I took a chance, I guess. I ran into that lady's and she, they were elderly couple and she was at the, at the sink doing something. And I grabbed her from behind. I just ran in her house, her trailer I grabbed her from behind and asked her for help. And I was screaming that I had been kidnapped and, you know, they were chasing me. I remember she had like an island right there between the living room and the kitchen. And I sat, she told me to sit down or no, I sat down on these white leather stools and I was full of blood. And there was a cigarette burning in her ashtray, and I picked up the cigarette and I started smoking her cigarette. <laughs> <laughs> you deserve that cigarette. <laughs> and uh, I got up and I ran and I locked her doors. And uh, I kept checking out the window. And her husband came in and he stood at the doorway and he was in shock. And she was on the phone with 911. She yelled at him to go get the pink robe. And so they covered me with the pink robe. And then I remember being scared that they were going to get me. And he tells me, don't worry. I got a gun. I got a big 12, uh, 12 gauge. They're not going to hurt you. I promise you they're not going to hurt you. <laughs> and uh, What a sweet man. And then when the cops got there, I ran to the door and I was like, nope. I don't trust you. I don't trust you. I don't trust yeah, you. Yeah, because you thought they were with him. And it wasn't until a state cop, a Hispanic state cop showed up. 
And a different uniform. Different. Yeah. yeah, it was a state cop uniform. I trusted that. Opened the door. I ran past all them cops and jumped, like literally jumped on him. I was like, and he put me in the cop car. And he put me in the back of the cop car. And I'm like, oh, no, 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 no. These yeah. doors don't open. No way. He's like, I promise you, I promise you, you'll be okay. And he talked me into it. He's all, because I want another cop to go with me to the hospital with you. And I'm like, okay. But not just any cop. I get to choose the cop that goes. And he's like, that's fine. So I picked another state cop to drive with us to the hospital. And when we got to the hospital, that cop did not leave my sight. Wow. Like he stayed, even when he was off duty, he stayed there right by my side. Wow. At the door, making sure. And then I remember hearing over the phone that they were transporting Cindy Hendy for a stab wound in her head. And I was like, okay, I'm going. I was getting all my stuff. I was getting ready to leave. Well, I had nothing, but I was trying to get, you know, what I could so I could leave. Because you didn't want her to be around you. Yeah. Yeah. And they were like, we'll take her to another part of the hospital and this and that. And which I think they probably liked me because they had to take her to the emergency room. But they did pretty good with, with not letting us see each other. And uh, they actually got arrested a block from where I was at. They were looking for me. From the, the trailer I ran into, they were a block away from it. Yeah, they were me. looking for you. Yeah. Yeah. And they lied to the cops and said that like they were helping you detox or something. Oh, yeah. That they had took <clears> me from Albuquerque <throat> to detox me off drugs. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my God. Just the worst people. But when the cops seen like. Everything they knew it was a lie. Mm-hmm. Oh, they they found the they found the tape that he played when I first got there, and that he played for other women, and it started off "Hello, bitch," and it would tell you why you were there, and they found that. So that was another thing that showed that it wasn't for detoxing. Yeah. Um, Plus all the torture stuff that he had. All his journals of torturing women. They were actual, actually able to uh, identify a John Doe uh, named Billy Ray Bowers uh, by me escaping. They were able to put a name to a John Doe that was found in Elephant Butte Lake that he killed. Really? Was he that never a got charged with, Yeah, he never got charged with it, but they were able to put that name to it and know he killed him because they found his blood in the RV that I was kidnapped in. And uh, Marie Parker... They found a video of them killing Marie Parker, him yeah. and Roy Yancey. Roy Yancey, yeah. And then they were able to, uh, Angelique Montano, they were actually able to, uh, Jill Troya, that's never been found either. Uh, Kelly Van Cleve. Yeah, Marie Parker. Yeah. Uh, that's never been found. Uh, but a lot. So what, what possessed you? I know you said you're stubborn, but what was it in you? Do you can you describe what was in you that like you just knew you had to get out? You were so motivated. What where did that come from? I can't explain it, but I know at one point when I was there at you know had tied up, I just had this feeling come across me that it was like do or die. Like, something inside me told me I was going to get away. It, it just, I can't explain that feeling mm-hmm. I got. It was probably the second day I was there. Uh, just this feeling came over me that, like, okay, when it's time, you're going to get away. 
was weird. And when she left the keys on the coffee table, I knew that was my chance to get away. And I did. But I had just had this feeling from the second day I was there. Yeah. That it was like, I never felt I was going to die after that second day. Hmm. I knew I wasn't going to be released, but I knew I wasn't going to die either. So it's a weird, weird situation. I can't explain. Yeah, no, that makes sense, though. Anything else you want uh, my listeners to know? Just to be really careful with any any strangers out there. Just be really careful. Yeah. You know, if you get an uncomfortable feeling, go with your first gut instinct. Don't go against, you know, if you have certain rules, don't go against your rules. Mm-hmm. And if you have a feeling, go with that feeling because that's usually a correct feeling. Yeah. Uh, There's another podcast I listen to, and it's two women, and they mm-hmm. they talk about fuck politeness. Uh-huh. If you feel like you're in danger, if you feel like something's wrong, uh-huh. you don't have to be polite. You don't have to be nice. You don't have to uh-huh. be. You don't have to prove anything to anybody. You have to protect yourself. Yeah. And I think that's kind of what you're saying is you know, go with that feeling inside of yourself. Yeah. Exactly. Don't. Don't try to please them and be nice or anything, yeah. you know. Just, you know, protect yourself. Uh, and someone approaches you and says they're a cop, like, you know, there I there has to be ways to make sure that they're to cops it. to prove it, you yeah. know. It's kind of hard because of my situation. I already had a handcuff on me, so. Yeah. It was a little different situation. Well, and back then, cell phones weren't really around yeah. that much. And yeah. It was a, a different time. Just be aware of your surroundings. Yeah. Pretty much. And go with your gut instinct. Well, you're an inspiration to a lot of people. And to me, especially when I heard your story, I was just completely inspired. Um, Thank you. I know you haven't had an easy life and I know it continues to be a challenge. Oh, God, it always is. (laughs) But um, I just want to thank you for sharing your story. I know it wasn't easy and I just really appreciate your time. Thank you. You know, the FBI told me after 12 hours, um, nobody has ever escaped after 12 hours from a serial killer. And I was the first person ever to escape after 12 hours. And so they had a bunch of different um, profilers uh, talk to me to see why did I escape after, why why did I survive after 12 hours? Yeah. And, uh, or escape after 12 hours. And I haven't got all the results back yet, but a lot of it was just my background of everything I've gone through in the past since I was a little girl. Um, You've always been in survival mode. Always been in survival since I was little. Uh, As little as I can. My first memory is kind of survival mode for me. So, um, yeah, that was that was one thing to be told after twelve hours, not that nobody ever survives after twelve twelve hours with a serial killer. That was like really, really hard. Sure. You know. But to get through it I started a nonprofit called Street Safe. I, I don't totally run it no more. I kind of passed it on. It's still going though? It's still going, yes. Um, I'm still involved, but I'm not I'm not the head of it like I used to be. If people want to donate to Street Safe, how do they do that? Um, 
They can call my phone number. Okay. Which is, I could just say it, right? <laughs> if you feel comfortable with that, yeah. Yeah. Uh, they could just call me 505-357-9170. And they can, um, they can donate to me. We pass out condoms. We pass out, um, we pass out condoms, tampons, clothes. We take used clothes. Um, and this we, is all for sex workers. So you're helping them. Sex workers and girls who have been raped. Okay. Not only sex workers. Anybody who's been raped, sex trafficked. Mm-hmm. It's actually more sex trafficked victims okay. that have been sexually trafficked. Um, raped. Uh, assaulted in any way we have a courtyard so we have a courtyard open where girls can go hang out on tuesday wednesday and thursday from one to four and they can eat get something to drink get clothes use the restroom we're trying to open up the showers and the salon so we can have inside for them instead of outside because it's so cold but we still got quite a work to do on it because financially we have to get the money to do it financially um well, let's hope that a lot of people listen and, oh, and they I hope donate. So. I, I hope they help us get it ready, even if it's just giving your time to help build something in there. Absolutely. You know, would be really help. Would be really helpful. You guys don't have a um, website or anything either. Yeah, um, do? well, um, it's called Street Safe New Mexico. Okay, we actually have changed a couple laws, and we've changed some stuff with the police department. And wow, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we worked hard. That's so cool. Yeah. Well, um, for those of you listening, Street Safe New Mexico, or you can call Cynthia directly. Um, you're welcome to, you know, make a donation or if you have time to donate, if you're in New Mexico, I'm sure they wouldn't say no to that. Mm-hmm. Do you guys take um, food and those kinds of things as well? Yes. Food, clothes, tampons, pads, any hygiene, um, Perfect. shoes, what else? Just pretty much anything okay. that'll help women. Thanks for listening to True Consequences. True Consequences is listener supported. If you feel inclined to donate, please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash true consequences. You can find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. For additional information about this case and other cases, please go to www.trueconsequences.com. Stay safe, New Mexico.